Hello, Grace242. My name is Jeremy Lesage. Today's scripture reading comes from Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Grace 242, Happy Reformation Day! On this very day, 504 years ago, Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses to the castle church door in Wittenberg, Germany. This event sparked the greatest protest this globe has ever seen. This is why October 31st is known as Reformation Day. Luther nailing these 95 points of contention to the castle church door was the sprouting of a seed that had been planted several months earlier in what is now known as Luther's Tower Experience. According to Martin Luther himself, it was his Tower Experience, not the nailing of the 95 Theses, that was the most pivotal event in his life. Looking at Martin Luther's life, it seems like he experienced a crisis every five years or so. In 1505, Luther is caught in the lightning storm where he vows to become a monk. In 1510, Luther travels to Rome and becomes disillusioned on the holy stairs with all of the corruption. Luther was then drafted to become the professor of Bible at a new university in Wittenberg, Germany. And in 1515, Luther started lecturing on the book of Romans. In early 1517, Luther was preparing his lectures on the book of Romans in his study, which was located in the tower of the Black Cloister Monastery in Wittenberg. Here's a picture of that tower today. Luther was preparing his lectures on the book of Romans when he read Romans 1 verse 16, which says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now the earth-shattering moment for Luther came when he read verse 17, which says, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Now, righteousness is one of those lofty biblical words which means to be in right standing with God or to be right with God. Sin places us all in wrong standing with God. So the question for us then becomes, how can we be made right with God again? Now, this brings up one of the key issues of the Reformation. Roman Catholics answer the question, how can we be made right with God, with the word infusion, whereas the Reformers answer the question, how can we be made right with God, with the word imputation. The Roman Catholics said that right standing with God came through infusion meaning that the right standing of Jesus is appropriated to the individual through the sacraments. Jesus' right standing with God is poured into the soul at baptism and through penance. At baptism, Christ's right standing with God is infused or poured into this person, and now that this person has had that right standing poured into them, now they must cooperate with that right standing. But 
if this person sins so egregiously, it's called a mortal sin, that state of grace or that state of right standing with God can be removed. And when that state of right standing is removed, now the individual must perform works of penance and works of good merit. So this means going into the confessional booth, confessing your sins, having them absolved, and then also performing other good works to regain that state of right standing with God. For Luther, this manifested itself in his countless hours in the confessional, racking his brain to confess every little infraction. This is why Luther said, if anyone was ever going to make it to heaven through becoming a monk, it was I. Luther was obsessed with doing everything he possibly could to cooperate with and to corroborate the grace that had been infused into his life. But deep down inside, no matter all those things that Luther did, he knew it wasn't enough. He knew that no matter how hard he tried, he could not earn right standing with God. Here's what he says in Luther's works, volume 48. Though I lived as a monk without reproach, I felt that I was a sinner before God with an extremely disturbed conscience. I could not believe that he was placated by my satisfaction. I did not love, yes, I hated the righteous God who punishes sinners. And secretly, if not blasphemously, certainly murmuring greatly, I was angry with God. Thus I raged with a fierce and troubled conscience." You can see that for Luther, his vision of God was that God was this oppressive master who demanded that his subjects dance on command. But no matter what his subjects did, no matter how well his subjects performed, no matter how well they did the dance, the oppressive master was never satisfied. For Roman Catholics, right standing with God came through infusion in the sacraments. Conversely, the reformers protested the Roman Catholic position saying, no, Right standing with God comes not through infusion, rather right standing with God comes through imputation. Now, what does imputation mean? Now we covered this in week two, so you can go back to that message and watch that. I'd encourage you to do that, but we'll just quickly cover it by way of review. Imputation means to credit to an account. So how are we made right with God? Jesus' right standing with God is imputed or credited to our account. Well, how? Through faith, and through faith alone. Look back at Romans 1:17. For in it, meaning for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. Well, how? From faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. How is right standing with God obtained for the individual? Through faith. Those in right standing with God shall live by faith. Jesus' right standing with God is imputed, is credited to the individual through their faith. In his study in the tower of the monastery, Luther read those words. And for the first time in his life, Luther understood the heart of the gospel. For the first time in his life, Luther understood that salvation comes not by performing works to cooperate and corroborate the grace infused through the sacraments. Rather, salvation comes from faith for faith. The NLT says it this way, this good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. How? This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. For the first time in Luther's life, 
Luther understood that his right standing with God was not based upon his own righteousness or merit. No, Luther's right standing with God was based upon someone else's right standing with God, someone else's merit, and that someone else is Jesus Christ. It is Jesus's right standing with God that, by Luther's faith, is imputed, credited, gifted to Martin Luther. And now, when God looks at Luther, he doesn't see Luther's failing attempts to try to meet the requirements of God. He doesn't see Luther's sinfulness. He sees Christ's righteousness. He sees the righteousness of his son Jesus when God looks at Luther. Later in his life, Luther wrote a reflection on this moment. Here's what Luther says. There I began to understand that the righteousness of God is that by which the righteous lives by a gift of God, namely by faith. And this is the meaning. The righteousness of God is revealed by the gospel, namely the passive righteousness with which the merciful God justifies us by faith. Here I felt that I was altogether born again and had entered paradise itself through open gates. Earlier in this series, we mentioned the five solas that came out of the Reformation. Luther's tower experience illustrates why sola fide, or faith alone, is one of those five pillars. Many Protestants oversimplify the Catholic position and mischaracterize it by saying this. They'll say something like, Roman Catholics believe that you're saved by works. Protestants believe that we're saved by faith. And that's an oversimplification, and that's wrong. Roman Catholics believe that Jesus' righteousness, that Jesus' right standing with God, is critical to one's salvation. But here's where the issue lies. Roman Catholics say that Jesus' right standing is apprehended by the individual through belief and through the individual's participation in the sacraments. So for the Roman Catholics, salvation is by faith, and sacraments. And what Luther and the Reformers are doing is they're rediscovering Romans 1.17 and saying, no, it's not faith and sacraments, it's faith alone. You are saved through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. It's sola fide in solus Christus. Now what do we mean by faith? We say faith alone, what do we mean by faith? Well, the author of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews 11, verse 1, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Simply put, faith is belief. Faith is belief that Jesus is who he says he is and that Jesus did the things he says he did. Faith is believing that Jesus is the Messiah, the Savior, our sovereign Lord, who came to this earth as a baby, died on the cross, rose again in three days, ascended to his throne in heaven, and will come back someday. You are saved through faith or belief in Jesus Christ. Now, when we talk about faith alone, the question always comes up, what about works? The question is, Bill, if it's all about faith in Jesus alone, then does it even matter what I do with my life? Is it all I got to do is have faith in Jesus and then I'm good, then I'm secure and it doesn't matter how I live or it doesn't matter the choices that I make because I'm good because I have faith in Jesus? Is that the case? And the answer to that question is no. Look at what Ephesians 2 verse 10 says. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, 
which God prepared in advance for us to do. So if God chose us in eternity past, planned for our lives, and then created us and brought us into existence, and intended for us to do good works, then what place do those works have? How do good works fit into faith alone? Before his tower experience, Luther held to the view of the Roman Catholic Church, which was and still remains, faith plus works equals salvation. And what happened when Luther read Romans 1.17 and what the other reformers are doing is they're moving works to the other side of the equal sign. So the equation reads faith equals salvation plus works. Look with me at James 2 verse 17. So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Now let's look at 2 verse 14. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? James is saying that genuine faith in Jesus is verified by a person's actions. Bringing this back to sola fide, I've heard it said that right standing with God is by faith alone, but not by a faith that is alone. Our faith is evidenced by how we conduct our lives. Our faith is evidenced by the works and the actions that we do. Our lives ought to be lived as a testament to true faith that we have. So it's what we do, it's our actions that are gonna show whether or not our faith in Jesus is genuine. Now, as a pastor, it gives me no pleasure to say that I have seen people who have sat a Sunday pew Sunday in, Sunday out, their entire lives. And yet, when I look at their lives, I don't see any evidence that they have faith in Jesus. I don't see any evidence that they are truly saved by faith in Christ Jesus. Because when I look at their lives, I see evidence that this person is not interested in pleasing God. They're only interested in pleasing themselves. They don't want what God wants. They want what they want. When the worship service ends, the only words out of their mouths are words of complaint or criticism about what they didn't like about the worship service. They only want to be served and they rarely, if ever, serve others. And I think to myself, what a wasted life. This person has spent their entire life going to church and going through the motions. And at the end of the day, they might not even know Jesus. They may someday stand before Christ and he may say to them, I never knew you. What a wasted life. Don't be one of these people who claims to be a believer in Jesus, but whose life has no evidence of genuine faith in Jesus Christ. So how do we avoid being one of these people who claims to have faith in Jesus, but yet when you look at their life, you don't see any evidence of genuine faith? How can we live our lives as a testament to genuine faith? How can we evidence our true faith with our lives? And the answer is by becoming a disciple of Jesus. Here's what Dallas Willard says in his book, The Divine Conspiracy. The idea of having faith in Jesus has come to be totally isolated from being his apprentice and learning how to do what he said. It is now understood to be a part of the gospel that one does not have to be a life student of Jesus in order to be a Christian. 
Willard reminds us that if faith alone means faith without discipleship, then your faith is dead. There is no such thing as faith in Jesus without discipleship to Jesus. A faith that is alive, a faith that is genuine, a faith that is vibrant, a faith that is true will manifest itself in us apprenticing ourselves to the one who saved us, Jesus. Through faith in Jesus Christ, his right standing with God is credited to us. And in turn, out of our joy and obedience to this most marvelous of gifts, we apprentice ourselves to the giver. There is no such thing as faith in Jesus without discipleship to Jesus. I'll see you next time, Grace 242. Love you.